listening to episode 15 of the Informed Secular Minds podcast. We have a pretty good show planned for you guys tonight. Uh, but first, just to get everyone up to speed, Corey, also known as Dopernephrine to all you dope fiends out there, the owner of the voice you would typically be hearing right now, is enjoying some well-deserved time off, and he'll be back next week. Um, <laughs> in his absence, he has, I think, mistakenly handed over control of the show to me this week. And so expect for this thing to go off the fucking rails at some point tonight. Anyway, Corey asked me who I wanted to have as my guest co-host. And my first and only request was Maris. And he was good enough to accept my offer. He'll be handling so much more behind the scenes tonight than just co-hosting. It just wouldn't be possible to do a show tonight without him. So Maris, I'm so grateful you're here. Welcome. How are you doing? Doing good, Scott. I'm, uh, I'm excited for what we've got tonight. I think uh, hopefully we'll, I'll be able to uh, do uh, Corey proud and uh, this doesn't all turn into a train wreck. <laughs> well, the train wrecks are fun to watch or listen to, so even if it does, <laughs> it'll be just fine. All right. Get started. Oh, wait. Um, you can follow Maris on Twitter and Periscope at youngathlon399. I can be found at El Duderino, E-L-D-U-D-E-I-R-E-N-O, all caps, on both of the platforms. Find Dopernephrine. Also be sure to follow Informed Secular Minds on both those platforms at ISM Podcast underscore. And if you enjoy what you hear here tonight or you feel you've been informed in any way and you'd like to help us be able to continue doing these shows, please consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com backslash informed podcast. Oh, and remember, you can call the show, ask a question at 1-646-564-89551. Okay. Um, start off tonight with a little bit of Truth Pursuit. It's a little segment that I'm doing once a week where I just pick a topic that's um, – you know, inside of the atheist theist debate, inside of that wheelhouse, and we discuss it for the week up until the next show on Twitter and Periscope, and it's been going pretty good. And uh, the last one was on evolution. I was just wondering, um, Maris, did you uh, take a look at that exchange going on on Twitter and Periscope this last week? <clears throat> uh, a little bit. Um, you might want to fill me in a little bit. I was just thinking also, I need to get you guys a sound clip for Truth Pursuit as well. Oh, that would be awesome. Just a little uh, intro clip going for that. Yeah. 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 Great. So, let's see. Do you got got your Twitter pulled up, Scott? Uh, I don't have my Twitter right now pulled up. But, um, no, there was some interesting talk uh, back and forth. I learned a lot. I shared a lot, hopefully informed some people on it. But um, I would just – evolution was a topic that I picked because I think it's something that by 2017 should have been put to bed already. Um, It's just amazing to me what some people think evolution is or what they don't know about evolution. Yeah. Most of the people who, who argue that it's absolutely ridiculous have a tenuous grasp on the concept at all. Um, Well, I know they they just don't understand uh, because they've been, you know, they've been taught by, their church and creationists that we're heathens and we all 
are are basically setting out just just for the uh, fun of disproving God. And right. We're delusional. And so, I didn't come so, from monkeys. And if there's if we came from monkeys, why is there still monkeys? And yeah, when that, I that was a, a, a theist, um, the uh, the church that I belonged to didn't, as far as I know, talk about young Earth creationism or anything. As far as I know, most people um, believe that dinosaurs went extinct 65 million years ago and that evolution happened. It just wasn't something that came up in my church, and it, evolution was taught in my school, and so I, you know, I believed in evolution, but I. I didn't find out until probably 10 or 15 years ago what it really was. I, I sort of believe the, the, the thing that you were just saying, I didn't come from monkeys. I believe that we did. Like I just didn't, I really didn't know what it was. And as I became more versed in the atheist, theist conversation, I realized, Oh, this is something I need to educate myself in. And, you know, I looked farther into it and I, I have a, a layman's grip and grasp on it, but um, even that uh, can get you through a lot. And I find that so many theists just don't even have that. And um, maybe even some atheists don't have it, as I didn't. And so I thought it was good to get out there and, and put some of that, some, put that, some of that info out there, some of that to rest. Um, one of my favorites <clears> that <throat> I like to go to was uh, the, uh, the left recurrent laryngeal nerve. Did you see that? Did you look into that at all? Um. <laughs> No, I did not. Corey and I talked about this um, at length. I I wouldn't want to bore anybody with repetition of it, but um, there's a a great video on uh, YouTube that you can watch where uh, Richard Dawkins is um, standing by in a a giraffe autopsy. And this nerve, it, it functions in the larynx for speech. It comes from the brain to the larynx. It needs to go two to six inches. But what it does is it travels down the throat and around the aorta and back up the throat to the larynx. It's, it's like 18 inches long in humans and like 14 feet long in giraffes. And what it used to do was um, serve as a gill function when there was no neck and the heart was up in next to the gills. It just went right past the heart to the gill. But as the neck formed and the heart dropped, um, it just kind of grew along with it. Well, the ones that survived, it grew. If it didn't grow, then it was probably detrimental to the, to yeah. the species. So the mutation that allowed it to grow um, just kept it going. And so it served no function down there other than getting away during heart surgeries. Um, I heard an analogy. One of the best analogies I heard of it is that there was an intelligent designer, much like if you were mowing your yard with an electric lawnmower that was plugged into a wall. If you had to go around a tree, you would unplug it and plug it back in on the other side so the tree wasn't in the way. But evolution doesn't have a mind, so it doesn't choose to unplug and reroute and shorten. Yep. It just lengthens, and you get this too long a nerve that just is unnecessarily long. I think that's one of the best evidences for evolution, so I like to use that one a lot. Do you have something that you go to when you're talking in the evolution debate? Um, well, I guess... Uh... The, the same idea, but, but, uh, with humans, um, us having, uh, tonsils, which, um, so, so, um, animals that, that their, their neck, their head is facing 
is facing forward. They walk on four legs. The tonsils serve a purpose. Now we can get our tonsils removed, and they're not needed at all. Um, it, it almost points to basically if, if it was intelligent design, it wasn't very intelligent at all. Right, just design. First draft kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or saying, well, I gave dogs tonsils and might as well give homo sapiens tonsils. Keep consistency here. Or also, if you want to deceive and make it look like evolution. Yeah, yeah, for what and what purpose that would serve, I don't know. Right, there's a um, a group of people who obviously younger creationists and and not only didn't deny dinosaurs, like some say, oh, dinosaurs walked with man and coexisted and were present on the ark and were vegetarians, whatever, prior to uh, original sin. But there's some that say dinosaurs never existed, that they're just created by scientists out of bones of other animals and like paper mache so that scientists can make millions of dollars or trick theists or, or whatever. Um, there's a, a great video uh, by a couple of guys. Their, their YouTube channel is Poisoning the Well. And uh, they do this uh, breakdown of this girl who is one of the dinosaur deniers. And she, she has a crazy uh, view of dinosaurs not existing. Uh, a pterodactyl couldn't exist because um, leather jackets can't fly. And she, she quoted some sort of a scientific Leather study where they put it, yeah, where they put like a, a biker jacket <laughs> over a kite, and then the kite wouldn't fly, and they said, "See, can't be pterodactyls." And they do a funny <laughs> breakdown of that. But also, Arn Raw interviewed her for an hour, and that is a fantastic interview. If you can uh, stomach her retorts, um, he puts out a lot of great information on evolution in that, in that video, specifically relating to dinosaurs and birds, and uh, a lot more concise than I could provide. Um, I want to well, put a the, link the out. The way that we see dinosaurs uh, is entirely uh, people going off the bones. There's, there's no. Um, it's quite likely that that uh, you know most of these dinosaurs that we see very likely could have had feathers. Yeah, um, they're, they're probably feathers. This idea of giant, this idea of just giant lizards, uh, in a sense, yeah. But I mean, if you're picturing Jurassic Park. Uh, probably <laughs> yeah. pretty far off. <clears throat> I put together um, a link um, to like seven different proofs of evolution through uh, seven di- uh, different um, sciences, and I'll uh, I'll try to put that up this week um, on the ISM account so you guys can take a look at that. Um, but for next week's topic, the one we're going to bring up tonight and then talk about all of next week on Twitter and Periscope, hopefully, will be abiogenesis, so the precursor to evolution, which I know very little about. Uh, I just know that it exists, and when we're dealing with evolution, and one of the common responses that we get is that evolution doesn't explain how life started. That is exactly right. Evolution doesn't explain how life started how it began um, that's a biogenesis field and there's been some experiments done in that and that's what i hope to discuss this week uh coming forward um, i'm only familiar with one experiment and uh i shared you the uh 
the wiki page about that earlier. There's the uh, the Miller-Urey experiment, which I know has some flaws, but um, was an experiment where there was simulated conditions uh, that they thought to be present on the Earth um, when life began, uh, serious atmospheric conditions, certain gases in place. Uh, let me see here. I've got a brief synopsis of it here. Okay, yeah, let's uh, read that. The Miller-Urey experiment, or Miller experiment, uh, was a chemical experiment that simulated the conditions thought at the time to be present on the early Earth and tested the chemical origin of life under those conditions. Experiment confirmed that Alexander Operin's and J.B.S. Haldane's hypothesis that putative conditions on the primitive earth favored chemical reactions that synthesized more complex organic compounds from simpler inorganic precursors. So, <clears throat> yeah, you, you, you hear that a lot. I'd, I'd be interested to uh, learn a little bit more about this stuff. Um, Cause that's, that's commonly something we come up against uh, with uh, creationists is, is how do you get organic life from inorganic life? And that's a, that's a good question. And, right. you know, something that, <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear you guys come back to this uh, with uh, with with some more research. Yeah, I'd like to see what people can tell me about it. And um, uh, you know, this is one of the instances where we say it, it's okay to say I don't know when you're when you're talking with a believer who says, "Well, if evolution doesn't cover where life began, then where did life begin? How did life begin?" You, you can say, "I don't, I don't know." You know, that we don't know yet. We've we've had you know, some ideas. Um, this, this experiment uh, showed that amino acids can be created from inorganic materials um, under these conditions and that those are the, you know, the precursors to life, the building blocks to life. Um, so yeah, uh, what I, what I hope to gain out of the next week discussing this is, uh, and I'll try to find what information I can and put it out there, but I'd really like input from you guys out there to tell me more about it. Um, what, you know, has there been more experiments done uh, since this most famous experiment? Um, have they yielded more information? What do we know about the beginning of life? And let's have that discussion um, to see where evolution took over after this. Okay. Yeah, hit them up on Twitter, you guys. Yeah, uh, Twitter at El Dutorino, and I will try to um, scope about it on my account and the ISM account coming up this week. All right. I've, I've just been informed by a listener that our chat is not open, and I'm unaware of how to open that, Scott. Um, you know, that's usually handled by Corey. That might be one of the things that's going to be down tonight. If you want to ask us a question, you're unable to call in, uh, try to tune into the podcast um, or to the uh, Periscope, rather, sorry, and um, ask your questions in there. We have a couple people monitoring that can uh, get a hold of us and we can and try to answer your questions that way. So if, you, if you're unable to chat, please try and get over to the Periscope oh, and oh, uh, do it that hold way. Hold on. I think I've got it. <clears throat> All right. Um, anyway, tonight's topic is prayer. And um, I figured we'd start off with 
a couple of things that are going on in the news right now to get the ball rolling. And um, then we're going to go over, you know, what prayer is and how it's approached by several different religions. But um, we're going to start with these, which are um, very much Christian and American. And we're probably going to deal mostly with Christian and American um, prayer as as the night goes on, because that's just where we're located and what we're typically dealing with. Um, now there's this, uh, article, this news that came out yesterday about, um, Trump's most recent, um, nominee for the Supreme court. And I was going to ask Maris to tell us more about that. Um, yeah. So, uh, Neil Gorsuch, uh, let me get this. Apologies, I'm trying to get this chat up for the for the listeners. No worries. Seems to be, uh, loading. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. I uh, was reading this on the Economist. The um, recent ruling by Sixth Court, uh, Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals in Ohio, could set up the first major religious liberty case. Neil Gorsuch may help resolve if the Senate confirms his nomination into the Supreme Court this spring. Um, so let's see here. This uh, case concerns a dispute over legislative prayer, a topic Mr. Gorsuch has never really weighed in on. I feel like I may have lost. Oh, are you there, Scott? Okay. Yes, I'm here. Sorry, guys. Um, a few years into a stint as a judge on the 10th well. Circuit Court of Appeals, apologies, uh, Gorsuch gave his view on a challenge to a Ten Commandments display on a courthouse lawn in Oklahoma. Uh, and let's see here. I'm trying to remember here uh, what exactly they're going to vote on. Let's see here. I think it's the idea of prayer in the legislature, but I'm not exactly sure how far reaching it is. Um, Let's see here. The plaintiff in Green versus Haskell County said he feared the county board of commissioners, the body that gave the go ahead to erecting a monument at the site would treat him differently and more harshly because he did not subscribe to a particular faith that is represented by the monument. After a three-panel, uh, three-judge panel sided with the plaintiff, finding the Ten Commandments display to violate the Establishment Clause, uh, the Tenth Circuit judges voted not to rehear the case as a full court. But Mr. Gorsuch dissented from that decision. He wrote, "No reason." to think a suitably informed and reasonable observer would construe the monument as a government establishment of religion. So it's a, it's a monument of the Ten Commandments on yep. the, 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 the commission's property. And this guy is worried that, well, these people who believe in the Ten Commandments, and I'm not a Christian, aren't going to hear me fairly when I want to talk about something here. Um, yep. Gorsuch says, no, he doesn't. He doesn't need to make that connection. There's no reason to make a connection between a place putting up Ten Commandments and being Christian. He claiming yeah, that there's no correlation. The, the Ten at Commandments all. can be secular in nature. 
Yep, yep. He said the Ten Commandments can, quote, convey a secular moral message about the, the primacy uh, and authority of law. They symbolize the history and moral ideals of our society and legal tradition. Um, so it's just uh, – it, it seems like uh, obviously the, they blocked the Dems pick for the Supreme Court. And the guy who uh, Trump is, is going to uh, all but for sure put in as a replacement is immediately going about uh, – going to go about um, attacking – secularism and promoting his religion in the government and doing nothing to for the idea of separation of church and state no the opposite in fact all right the next thing i wanted to talk about was um this article from the Indie Star, um, where a bill was passed yesterday that's going to allow for – Do we lose you, Scott? I think we might have lost our co-host. I'm going to, uh, I guess, pick up where he was at. Um, So House Bill 1024, which passed the Education Committee uh, 10 to 2, declares that schools must make room for religious expression in homework, artwork, and other assignments. Must allow students to pray before, during, and after school. have access to the same facilities as secular groups. Excuse me, guys. We're trying to... uh, Okay, so I got a message from El Duterino. He's uh, rebooting his computer. Um, Supporters say the bill is needed to protect the rights of students in instances such as when Right to Life student group at Carmel High School ran into trouble for putting up a poster in a school hallway. Others, including several pastors who testified and the bill's sponsor, Republican John Bartlett from Indianapolis, linked the court-ordered end to school-led prayers with a decline to an array of societal ills. Um, Let's see here. So in 1962, some parents in New York State... Uh, sued the school board. It was Angle versus Vital was the case that went to the Supreme Court. And what they had was um, laws in place basically in direct uh, violation of <clears throat> of uh, the the First Amendment. And let me see here. So basically, um, up until this law, uh, up until this went to the Supreme Court, um, there were 
basically uh, written prayers that someone who knows who um, would write. I, I'm guessing uh, somebody on the school board. Uh, the one in New York said, Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. This followed the uh, Pledge of Allegiance every morning in school. And some parents did not want their children to be subjected uh, with no choice of uh, basically they they were allowed technically to sit there and uh, not partake in the prayer. Um, that made some kids feel really awkward and violated the Constitution. So uh, they they did away with that, even though some states uh, repealed it and still have uh, prayer every morning to uh, the Christian God. <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm hoping we're going to get into that stuff a little bit more later, but I'm hoping that we can get Deuterino in here and get him to uh, go over some things he wanted to talk about. So, (laughs) apologies, guys. See if we can get him back in here. Okay, sorry, guys, for the dead air. If we've got anybody that wants to call in, uh, please do so. Uh, One moment. All right, guys, I think we've got our our, our co-host, Deuterino, back in the call. Hello? All right. Yeah, our... uh, our co-host Dutorino back in the call. Who's this? This is Kat. Hello? Yeah, our our co back in the call. Who's this? Hello. Am I on the air? Um, I don't think so. Unless I am right now. Mm. So my computer froze up and everything went to hell. I'm sorry. Guys. Can you guys hear me now? I can hear you, but I don't know okay. if I'm on the air or not. You're on the air. Cat okay. is here on the air with us. Apologies, you guys. 
had some technical difficulties. Uh, we got a caller, Kat's on on the air with us. Yeah, I have a question for for you, Maris. Um, I understand that you used to be um, a theist, and I was just wondering if you, what your experience with prayer was back when you were um, when you believed. And did you ever see or really believe that there was um, evidence of it working in your life? Um, you know, that's funny, um, because my experience, I would, uh, I would say, um, actually, uh, me and Scott were, were watching a video, uh, about, um, the way that, uh, the Jews pray. And one of them w- was talking about how it's hard for her to do at home. It's hard for her to do by herself in everyday life. But if you go to your place of prayer, uh, with a congregation, with a bunch of people, you kind of get that feeling, and it just it it's it's much more emotional and easy to get yourself to that place. And I feel like I felt um, I felt at times as a child, um, I could definitely feel a feeling, but I think that was obviously more a feeling of a whole bunch of people all together. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe as far a, as, some kind of unifying feeling with a bunch of people with the same purpose. I get it. I'm just curious about that. I haven't heard much from believers um, that ha- are now atheists. Um, what changed for them? And I was just wondering, like, you know, that first question, and also, like, when did you start feeling, if there was a time, specific time that you started feeling that you were yourself? Started feeling what? Did the prayers just, like the, the prayers just were not working. They weren't reaching anyone else's ears that you're in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, growing up fairly sheltered, um, I mean, we definitely were a, you know, uh, lower middle class family that, you know, struggled to pay a mortgage and stuff like that. I never really saw um, true suffering. I never really had experience personal experience with, with tragedies and not just, you know, an old family member dying, but terrible things happening everywhere. And that really started to make the wheels turn in my head and start to think, um, if this really was working, why would God be answering my prayers of my insignificant wants and needs and let a a huge amount of of suffering and terrible things happen in the world. If, if God was really that powerful that he could hear the things that I have to say, the things that I need, um, how does he, how does he have time to do that and, and let the world burn at the same time? Um, and so it wasn't like I stopped praying, uh, or stopped feeling, uh, the, the, the need or the um, <clears throat> what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I didn't feel like I had to pray. Was was when I just realized it, it. It just started to fall apart and not make sense at all. But um, thank you for that. Um, I, I I would I wonder if Scott would be willing to share a similar. You know the answer to a similar question for himself, either one, I mean, or both, whichever he wants to answer. 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, wanted to make a quick note on um, what what you were just saying uh, about that video, Maris, that we watched, where um, the girl said she couldn't pray at home. It wasn't as effective to her. She didn't get that feeling until she was around the other people. And um, so that, that's a that's a feel good feeling. That's a that's a happy chemical release or, or what have you that they're um, taking as the spirit or or God or or whatever. But that also seems to kind of I, I didn't think about it till just now when I heard you say it again. Kind of the same mechanism that the mob mentality works on when uh, a group of people get together and then they start doing things together that they wouldn't normally do on their own either or feel as passionately about like turning cars over on their side and lighting them on fire and breaking windows. That mob mentality group think seems to play a role in a lot of our um, irrational decision-making when we get together. Yeah. uh, Things that you just wouldn't do if, if you, it wasn't pushed as something that's normal. Right. Um, Especially seeing as a kid, you know, when the spirit would move in the church and people would start dancing and speaking in tongues and falling on the floor and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, it's quite obvious that this doesn't happen in your home, in the privacy of your living room by yourself. Um. (laughs) Or, or or I would think out in public somewhere else. It's like, that's the place. That's the, that's the permission place to, and, and also like, you know, if somebody acts, it seems to me that if someone acted like that, let's say in the middle of a restaurant, um, someone would probably call 911. Yeah. Someone would probably they would start think that doing, that person was having a, a problem. Yeah. Start yeah. making sure they weren't choking on something. Exactly. Um, well, I really appreciate you guys entertaining these questions. No problem. And uh, have Thank a good rest of the show. Absolutely. Thanks, Gab. Um, Hi. Yeah. During some of this research, I was watching uh, some videos, and there was a guy who <clears throat> was a former theist and is now an atheist, and he was talking about prayer, but for him, it wasn't um, unanswered prayer, or, 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 you know, like you just said, why are my prayers being answered? But uh, for him, it was um, answered prayers, not of his, but answered wishes of his neighbors, people he knew to either be atheists, non-believers completely, or people that he knew or that he labeled from his worldview as not as good a Christian as he was. He was more involved in the church. He was, he was more devout. He read scripture daily. He knew his, his, his Bible inside and out. And he, in his view, was a better Christian than they were. And yet, in the world, it seemed that atheists uh, different denominations, different religions, people who weren't of his faith and weren't as good at his faith as he was, were getting things like promotions and new trucks and new cars and, uh, you know, would be cured of cancer or not at the same rate as his family. And he realized at some point there, there's nothing behind this. There's no agency behind any of this. This is all just chance. And it was one of his first steps is um, prayers being answered for other people. So, it, it, it shows itself in all different ways. Um, where did we get in this um, this bill in Indiana, by the way, when my uh, computer froze up? <clears throat> um, well, we were uh, we were talking about um, the prayer bill. Isn't isn't that what they're calling it? The prayer bill. I'm not sure. Uh, it might be House um, Bill 1024. 
Yeah, House Bill 1024. Um, so it, it was passed as of as of the 21st. Um, and in that article, they were talking about uh, 1962. So I brought up. Um, I think we're going to get into that a little more later. But I brought up the uh, Engel versus Battelle. Yeah, we'll in get into that. That uh, that got the ball rolling on on trying to set back um, these. Uh, this favoritism uh, and and pushing Christianity into our government and to our children. Well, House Bill 1024, which passed the Education Committee 10 to 2, declares that schools must make room for religious expression in homework, artwork, and other assignments, must allow students to pray before, during, and after school, and have access to same school facilities as secular groups to be able to wear clothing that displays religious messages and to create a limited public forum for religious viewpoints at school events. Yeah, it, um, it's still got to get, it's still got to get, uh, the bill's still got to go to the house floor, but it's, it's, it's well on its way. And right. with, uh, uh, and with the Republicans having the majority, it's, it's highly unlikely that this won't go right through with, with no problem. It seems that way. Uh, supporters <laughs> of the bill say it's needed to protect the rights of students in instances such as when a right to life student group at Carmel High School ran into trouble for putting up a, a poster in the school hallway. Others, including several pastors who testified and the bill's sponsor, Representative John Bartlett, Democrat, Indianapolis, linked the court-ordered end to school prayers with the decline in an array of societal ills. So when, <clears throat> when uh, I think this 1962 thing that you're talking about, when this was passed to get rid of school prayer, this guy is linking that court decision to uh, the decline of an array of societal ills. Society just crumbled when, when prayer was taken out of school. Yeah, it all fell apart. That's that's when it went wrong. Um, opponents to the bill testify um, to stories of the era before 1962 when the United States Supreme Court outlawed clergy-led prayer in public schools as a period when Jewish students were forced to bow their heads and join in Christian prayers, or perhaps worse, to be marched out of class in front of their peers during religious education. Yet some of our observers, including Education Committee Chairman Representative Robert Benning, Republican Indianapolis said many of the activities in the bill are already allowed in public schools. He expressed hope that the bill would enable the Indiana Department of Education to establish a model policy for schools that end some of the confusion about what is and isn't allowed. Many of these things are already available under the First Amendment, Benning said. A lot of it has been created by case law. There's no law that uh, defines, defines it in a succinct way. In the committee hearing Tuesday, there was some discussion about the breadth of religious expression to be allowed. Representative Anthony Cook, a Republican serio, said school principals need the leeway to stop activities that are illegal or immoral. Representative Vernon Smith, a Democrat of Gary, Indiana, used the story of a cousin who went off to Africa and returned as a Buddhist as a cautionary tale. There's a lot of crazy stuff out there, he said, and we've got to enter into schools. They both voted for the bill. Now, that, to me, doesn't say that we want to allow religious expression in homework and artwork <clears throat> and whatever. That, to me, says we want Christianity in the school because there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. And that is the point that they want 
us to miss. This is not in any way, shape, or form about accommodating religion in schools. This is about promoting Christianity to our children. Exactly. This has they 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 like to hide behind the oh you know we, everyone gets there. You you don't have to participate. You can pray to whatever god you want, really. But you're praying to the Christian God out loud, and that's not uncommon for a majority of these kids in America. But the ones who who's who don't want to be a part of that, uh, that's hard for a child to to figure out and understand. Um, yeah. And, and it's a terrible thing to do. <clears throat> exactly. Uh, why don't you pray to Jesus? Yeah. What's going on with you? What's wrong with you? What's, what, why is your family weird? I'm totally okay with, with you know what? Um, don't teach it as fact. You know what? You want to take literature or mythology courses um, and study the Bible study the Quran, study the Torah, whatever you want. Just leave it to where the kids can have a moment of silence, to where they can pray to their God if they choose. They don't have to. Um, it, it's just blatantly promoting Christianity and uh, making it worse for for anyone who is of no religion or any religion other than Christianity. Right. Uh, it's, not the just, most... it's not just them attacking us. It's them attacking any religion other than theirs. Other than Christianity, yeah. They want Christianity. It's part of the indoctrination process. Uh, the bill's most vocal critic, Representative Ed Delaney, Democrat Indianapolis, warned that advocates for the bill may get more than they bargained for by opening the gates wider on religion in public schools. We're going to offend kids from every known religion, Delaney said. The state cannot sponsor prayer without destroying prayer. The ACLU of Indiana legal director Ken Falk said the legislature's pushing this bill may be opening up schools to headaches they never imagined. Once they make room for one kind of religious speech, they must make room for all religious speech, he said. And then the legal issue becomes how does the school referee what's allowed and what's not. There's a reason schools from across the country have generally not adopted this, Falk said, because they legitimately want to have control over what's being said. House Bill 1024 now moves to the House Bill. So I guess we'll see what happens. I think we know what's going to happen, but who, hopefully, you know, we can always hope. Uh, guys, on a side note, uh, apologies again. The chat is up. All right. If you Thanks, got Ashley. questions you want to put up in the chat, uh, please do so. Uh, apologies. Um, uh, our usual host, Corey, is is – not just vacationing, he's uh, helping some family uh, with moving. So uh, we're we're kind of noobs at the whole studio thing here. But the chat is up. <laughs> uh, if you want to jump in there and ask us some questions, uh, make any comments, feel free to do so. <clears throat> okay, so before we get into prayer and uh, a couple other religions, I just thought we'd just lay out what prayer is, the definition of prayer from Wikipedia, and we can just... Be working off of that basis. Um, prayer from the Latin precari to ask earnestly or beg is an invocation or act that seeks to activate a rapport with an object of worship through deliberate communication. Prayer can be a form of religious practice, may be either individual or communal, and take place in public or in private. 
It may involve the use of words, song, or complete silence. When language is used, prayer may take the form of a hymn, incantation, formal creedal statement, or a spontaneous utterance in the praying person. There are different forms of prayer, such as petitionary prayer, prayers of supplication, thanksgiving, and praise. Prayer may be directed towards a deity, spirit, deceased person, or lofty idea for the purpose of worshiping, requesting guidance, requesting assistance, confessing transgression, or to express one's thoughts and emotions. Thus, people pray for many reasons, such as personal benefit, asking for divine grace, spiritual connection, or for the sake of others. Um, some anthropologists believe that the earliest intelligent modern humans practice a form of prayer. Today, most major religions involve prayer in one way or another. Some ritualize the act of prayer, requiring a strict sequence of actions or placing a restriction on who is permitted to pray, while others teach that prayer may be practiced spontaneously by anyone at any time. Scientific studies regarding the use of prayer have mostly concentrated on its effects on the healing of sick or injured people. Meta-studies of the studies in this field have been performed showing evidence only for no effect or potentially small effect. For instance, a 2006 meta-analysis on 14 studies concluded that there is no discernible effect, while a 2007 systemic review of studies on intercessory prayer reported inconclusive results noting that 7 of 17 studies had small but significant effect sizes. But the review noted that most methodologically rigorous studies failed to produce significant findings. Some studies have indicated increased medical complications in groups receiving prayer over those without. The efficacy of petition of prayer for physical healing to a deity has been evaluated in numerous other studies with contradictory results. There have been some criticism of the way these uh, studies were conducted. So, uh, you know, the, the results of, of, of quite a few of these studies have been fairly uh inconclusive it's very hard um it's very hard to uh, i don't know they they contradict each other somewhat there's been a few studies in the past 20 years <clears throat> but i think at best we can say at best uh there there are uh beneficial possibilities i guess yeah, um, I, I we were talking that. about we were talking about you know um, people like uh, the football player you were talking about, right? Um, not Tim Tebow, who's another story, <laughs> someone I would compare similarly to. You know, somebody uh, right. just you know, if you've got God on your side uh, and you truly believe with all of your with all of your heart and mind that you know the Creator of all things has bestowed upon you a gift, um, that can be. Uh, <clears throat> that that can can have uh, beneficial. Results, it could be like a confidence booster. Exactly. Can, exactly. Yeah, it's like it's like a placebo effect of uh, I'm charged up, ready to go. You know, uh, a football player, like you said, or a UFC fighter could could trust in the science of the training and their diet and know their skill sets and know how long they've been training and be fired up that way and and, <clears throat> and perform just as well. Um, but a lot of times you have nerves and other, you know, outside influences that, that make you 
maybe look past some of those things. If you also had the belief that you had a personal relationship with the creator of all things, and that prior to performing this task, you asked him to bestow some extra, you know, get up in your step, uh, and you truly believe that this person, you know, that this deity exists and, and can and would do this for you, uh, it absolutely can be a, a motivator, a confidence builder, something to, to get you out there doing what you do. I'm sure that soldiers have used this for millennia to motivate Definitely. themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, the power of positive thinking, sort of like a, a mantra or, or meditation. Yeah, and um, I think that uh, that that can go all the way back to you know the first we were talking about, you know the the first <laughs> the first man to look up in the sky, and lightning struck and a fire started in front of him, and go, was that God? Yeah, what was that? What was that? <laughs> and that was and so you know that's I natural. Had. That's yeah, that's natural. You know, without having the knowledge that we have. Uh, so I think that that it can be that you know there is that aspect of it that can be beneficial, but the other end of the spectrum of that you know that type of you know that star football player or or you know um, that type of character on the opposite end of the spectrum, I think we have the idea of. Um, Committing terrible acts with uh, God on your side. Um, if, you, right. if you hold that same belief that the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of everything um, has bestowed a right to you, um, that makes it a lot easier to do things like righteously colonize countries or wipe out uh, – another race of people who do not believe your God. Or even down to this, you know, the, the suicide bomber or the, yep. the, the Christian <clears throat> abortion clinic bomber. Yep. It can motivate and build confidence for all sorts of things. Um, talking about mantras, let's just jump into what some of the uh, other religions, how they view prayer. Um, Oh, this looking is some interesting prayer. stuff, yeah. Yeah, looking at prayer here in uh, Hinduism. Prayer or worship uh, is considered to be an integral part of a Hindu religion. The chanting of mantras is the most popular form of worship in Hinduism. Yoga and meditation are also considered as a form <coughs> of devotional service towards the Lord. Towards the, Lord. the adjacent, oh, sorry about that. Um, the Vedas are a collection of liturgy, mantras, and hymns. The Hindu devotional uh, Bakiti movements emphasize repetitive prayer stemming from the universal soul or Braham. Prayer is focused on the personal forms of God, such as Shiva, Vishnu, or Vishnu's avatars, Rama, and Krishna. Before the process of ritual, before the invoking of different deities for the fulfillment of various needs, came the human aspiration to the highest truth, the foundational monoism of Hinduism, pertaining ultimately to the one Braham. Braham, which similarly can be called the unknowable, true, infinite, and blissful divine ground, is the source of being of all existence from which the cosmos springs. This is the essence of the Vedic system, 
The following prayer was part uh, part and parcel of the Vedic ceremonies and continues to be invoked even today in Hindu temples all over India and other countries around the world. An example, and it exemplifies uh, this essence. The Gaya Tree Mantra is Hinduism's most representative prayer. Many Hindus recite it on a daily basis, not only contemplating its straightforward meaning, but also dwelling on and imbibing its sound, regarded to be pregnant with spiritual meaning. For this reason, nearly all Hindu prayers and mantras are sung. The, the Gayatri was first recorded in the Reg Veda, which was composed in Sanskrit about 1,500 to 2,500 years ago. And by some reports, the mantra may have been chanted for many generations before that. I want you to read that prayer. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the absolute Maybe we can, uh, reality, and, uh, find I it, wish I could find sing it. it in the natural language. That mm-hmm. probably sounds so much better than just me talking. Okay, we'll just hear it in English, I guess. <laughs> on the absolute reality and its planes, on that finest spiritual light, we meditate as remover of obstacles that it may inspire and enlighten us. That's it. Pretty short. But um, <clears throat> as we meditate, but to them, the, the creator where everything comes from is like a, a holy ground, like a place it seems. Not an individual deity, but they still pray to it and about it. Uh, yeah, what about, it's vastly uh, prayer different from, from Abrahamic religions. <clears throat> um, you want me to talk a little bit about how that works in Islam? Yeah. Okay. So in, in Islam, uh, prayer, the first chapter of the Quran, uh, is a prayer that focuses on the lordship and mercy of Allah. It's recited at the beginning of every unit of prayer. And then that, uh, let's see here. <clears throat> so it's that it's so integral to to Islam as well as as other religions obviously too but uh, but in Islam it's um it's much more you know it's five times a day um what do we read that uh, the average um the average devout muslim his head touches the ground 34 times a day this is something that you know, it, you know, Christianity. And, yeah, and and in Christianity, you know, it's uh, it's it's encouraged. It takes place at every gathering, but it's it's you know, it focuses more on that personal relationship with Jesus and God. Um, that you know, you kind of pray the way you pray. Uh, this is not the case in Islam. Um, it is one of the. I mean, it's. How much time do you think that they they spend their entire lives um, praying and, yeah. and predominantly just reciting prayers? Reciting you know, prayers. Much uh, less of a thing of like, God, can you please help me? You know, I'm right. I'm dealing with this, or I I, re- I really need this, or or can you you know um, help Grandma get better? This this is not that type of prayer at all. Uh, I wanted different. to kind of. <laughs> break down that prayer, that first chapter of the Quran, the prayer that they recite at the beginning of all of their prayers. Um, let's see, it goes, in the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful, all praise is due to Allah, Lord of the universe, the most gracious, the most merciful, owner of the day of judgment. You alone do we worship and you alone we return, 
we turn to for help. Guide us to the straight path, the path of those whom you have bestowed your grace, not the way of those you that have earned your anger, nor those who went astray. So where you said that it, um, it, it focuses on the lordship and the mercy of all of us. So it says he's merciful. It says that he's gracious and merciful. The says most that twice. merciful. Yeah, the, the most gracious, the most merciful. It also says he's the lord of the universe. So there's the lordship. He, he's the lord of the universe. You can't get much more lord of anything else than that. Um, <laughs> and they wanted to let us know that he was gracious and merciful twice before they said he's the owner of the day of judgment. Like, um, he's merciful, but he's the one that's going to judge you, you know, and uh, just keep that in mind. And then uh, let us go the path of, to those you have bestowed your grace, not the way that to those who have earned your anger, so infidels, people who don't follow him, and then no, nor the way of those who went astray, so apostates, who are now for all intents and purposes infidels. But, yeah, let us be like the ones that you like, not the ones that you don't like. So God has... Uh, people that have angered him. Allah has people that have angered him and people that have left him and those aren't to be followed. And this is the way you pray and you say this prayer about me every time you pray at the beginning of every prayer. Um, I liked how it called, um, you recited at the beginning of every prayer unit. I was telling you earlier, a unit of prayer. How many units of prayer are you owed? Uh, I guess it's 34. I guess if you're putting your head to the ground 34 <clears> times a day. I know it's five times a day, uh, but yeah, they, you know, it, it is, is each of those a unit or is the 34 head touching the unit? I'm not sure, but you know, um, talking about, uh, that prayer that, uh, you know, the most gracious, the most merciful, the owner of the day of judgment kind of makes me think of, uh, of a, of a crazy girlfriend. Like, I love you. I love you. I'm merciful. But cross me and I will fucking end you. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, you were saying <clears throat> there's a, like Christianity has a freedom to kind of pray. We pray, we ask for things. Uh, we, I say, because I used to be Christian, but the Christians ask for things. But there is uh, the set prayers in Christianity. Um, I was telling you earlier, the Lord's Prayer. Oh yeah, yeah, head. yeah, uh, and then you but, know, of course, um, going going back to, especially in Catholicism and, um, you know, acts of contrition and different things that they recite, and it's you know, um, right. as the denominations have over water to turn it holy. What's the difference yeah. between a prayer uh, said over water to make it holy and a magic spell said over a liquid to make it a potion? Well, the difference is uh, the the second, the latter is is obviously witchcraft and of the devil. Oh, uh, where okay. where the first is not. And, <clears throat> uh, this is a little off topic, but I'm going to go there anyway. Um, I was thinking about this the other day uh, when I was thinking about sin and um, how people paid their transgressions. They, you know, uh, back in the biblical times, they did a lot of burnt offerings, slaughtering animals. And there's a entire chapters in the Bible that like specifically say how to slaughter the animal and where to spray the blood and where to pour cups of the blood and then how to burn the animal and, and what the person should be wearing 
that performs this task. And I thought to myself, if, if a group of us were to dress up according to that scripture and perform a goat sacrifice according to that scripture and were to be seen from, uh, you know, 20 feet away by a group of Christians, they would take that as witchcraft and, and Satanistic worship immediately upon seeing it, I think. And yet it would be following their Lord's request to a T. But I found that uh, rather interesting. Yeah, God was a lot more of a dick in the OT, I think, and <laughs> very brutal. Um, but you know, Jesus they're, said, they're, they're, they're I, didn't come here, I didn't come here to stop my dad from being a dick. He's still a dick. Yeah, yeah, but more so in the way that, you know, you're God. So you're, you're to say that these things have to take place in order to absolve your sins is really kind of fucked up because you're God. Wouldn't an act of repentance and truly recognizing I did something wrong and I'm sorry and admitting that to God as well as the person that you wronged, you'd think that would be enough. But no, we've got to go slaughter animals and uh, you know pour blood and, and do well, all these ridiculous acts to get, to yeah. get God's love back. <clears throat> we've covered before that God is very if, – if nothing else, he's inefficient all of the things that he's done to try and get rid of the sin of man, he has failed at. He just fails over and over and over again. Everything that he gives us to try and take that away for us, it just doesn't work out. Um, I also looked up uh, a little bit of prayer, just one prayer I found, but um, prayer in um, Native American tribes, specifically the Cheyenne tribe that was here in eastern Wyoming, the home state that Maris and I are both currently residing in. And uh, they have a prayer that says um, it's good to remember that you're never alone. And it goes, um, when you're alone or troubled or need a helping hand, close your eyes and think of me and speak my name out loud and I will come. Look for me in the sky of a summer day. Listen for the sound of my footsteps on the path. Lift a rock and I am there. They liked that a lot better than any other prayers I've heard written and reciting. Um, yeah, it seems like a worship of nature. They had a strong relationship with nature. A lot of their, uh, a lot of the Native Americans' uh, prayers and traditions <clears throat> revolved around wind and uh, you know the other elements, uh, water, fire, birds and animals and seasons, things that that were important to them that, that helped them to flourish. Uh, and uh, Mary's going to read that, that Cree prophecy that I really <clears throat> enjoy. That's my Oh, favorite. yeah, yeah. Let's see here. When the earth is sick and dying, there will come a tribe of people from all races who will put their faith in deeds, not words, and make the planet green again. That is beautiful. Yeah, I like that one a lot. <clears throat> and, and that's something that I've been, you know – as an atheist, as 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 an anti-theist, I I think uh, you know this. If there was a if there was a religion that I could get behind, if I truly thought that there was a god that that not only made us but intervenes and and cares about what we do, um, the concept of that being nature is something that I can that I can easily. Uh, while I still wouldn't subscribe to it, I, I understand it and enjoy it, kind of. 
Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and and also it doesn't doesn't run around making policies about when you can talk to it or who should talk to it or that everybody should talk to it. And and if nature is God or gods, the fear there is sort of implied instinctually. Uh, it doesn't need to be said. Fear me. I am the judge. Right. I am the bringer of, of the end, um, which is interesting. <clears throat> okay, so we uh, we were just talking about in the news right now that um, that House Bill 1024, was it, in Indiana? And um, so it mentioned that uh, that 1962 case that you were <clears throat> talking about. So yeah, and I talked about this a little, a little bit. About uh, that. I talked about this a little bit when we lost you. I didn't want to, um, oh, I didn't want to skip anything that you had, uh, yet going, you know, ready to go when you, um, so basically New York state, uh, board of regents had written an, and authorized a voluntary non-denominational prayer that would be recited by the students at the beginning of each school day. Uh, in 1958 to 59, a group of parents, including Stephen Engel, this is Engel versus Vital at the Supreme court, in Hyde Park, New York, objected to the prayer, and uh, I can't remember, I think I read this, but Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. Uh, this, followed, uh, this followed the Pledge of Allegiance every morning in schools in New York. <clears throat> uh, proponents of the prayer argued that it was, uh, uh, I'm sorry, <clears throat> proponents of the prayer argued that it was constitutional because it was voluntary and promoted the free exercise of religion also protected in the first amendment. <clears throat> um, let's see here. Uh, so in April of 1962, the Supreme court ruling was released. Um, they voted on it. Two judges didn't participate. It, it, um, it was voted unconstitutional by a margin of six to one. <clears throat> um, let's see. The Supreme Court's opinion was that by using the public school system to encourage the recitation of the region's prayer, the state of New York has adopted a practice wholly inconsistent with the Establishment Clause. Uh, the lone dissent came from Potter Stewart, who argued that the majority had misapplied a great constitutional principle. He couldn't understand how an official religion is established by letting those who want to say a prayer say it. On the contrary, uh, I think to deny the wish of these school children to join in reciting this prayer is to deny them the opportunity of sharing in the spiritual heritage of our nation. Um, After that was uh, voted unconstitutional, uh, most states changed their statutes um, and, and got rid of this law. Um, federal law required schools to permit only voluntary, silent, and non-disruptive prayer. Some states repealed their school prayer laws entirely, but others passed legislation allowing for one-minute period of silence, which is okay in my book. Don't you agree, Scott? That's cool. Give them a minute. Give them five minutes. Let them do yeah. whatever they want to do. We're not trying to oppress the religious. We're just trying to keep the one big religion 
from being force-fed down our children's throats. Um, so not all of uh, the states changed their laws. Others uh, vagrantly defied federal law by enacting new statutes permitting various type of school-sponsored prayer. <clears throat> in Alabama, uh, this is written in Alabama law, from henceforth any teacher or professor in any public education institution within the state of Alabama Recognizing that the Lord God is one, at the beginning of any homeroom class, may pray, may lead willing students in prayer, or may lead the willing students in the following prayer to God. After that, a vaguely Christian prayer is included in the statutory language. In Montana, this is 45 minutes north of me, uh, quite a bit further for for Scott, but um, uh, publication of a sectarian or denominational character may not be distributed in any school. Instruction may not be given advocating sectarian or non or denominational doctrines. However, any teacher, principal, or superintendent may open the school day with a prayer. So this could be in, in a classroom. This could be the principal over the loudspeaker uh, yeah, morning, the for morning announcements. Exactly. Uh, in North Dakota, also not far. Um, a student may voluntarily pray aloud or participate in religious speech at any time before, during, or after the school day to the same extent as a student may voluntarily speak or participate in secular speech. Why is there a connection there? Um, Why do they have to compare it to someone that... So if anyone can talk about anything out loud, people can talk about God out loud. Well, uh, you know, permitted during to the same extent that a student may voluntarily speak or participate in secular speech. Um, I guess that's just talking. Like, I wouldn't I, think that they'd be allowed to like, in the middle of class to to in the middle of class stand up and start praising Jesus. So, because you don't want to disrupt class, just the same as someone couldn't stand up and say there is no God in the middle of science class or whatever. You want to disrupt yeah. class, so this would be when speaking is permitted mm-hmm. in between classes. And I would say, sure let them say what they want to say, you know, the only thing that they're going to suffer there, the consequences of that speech would be if someone doesn't want to hear talk about secular things or talk about Jesus or whatever, they would just walk away and not be a friend anymore. That has nothing to do with uh, school sponsored prayer. Yeah. So I don't know. I think my opinion on this is, you know, we don't want religion to be taught in schools. Um, if it is, it needs to be taught in a way that doesn't imply that those teachings are to, to believe, be believed by everyone. Um, we, can, we can't allow our, our government and our schools to force feed uh, religion in any manner, which includes praying to your deity, your God, um, the Lord. <clears throat> it's got to be taught in a secular manner. And, uh, you know, uh, pointing out the effects of religion during points in history, uh, how they played a a role in world events um, is one thing. Um, Forcing children to even if even if even if they can sit there in silence and not do anything, pray to Allah or pray to uh, Buddha or pray to uh, any single God in the world. That's not the problem. It's that one specific religion is being prayed out loud by teachers, by students, if they're reciting a a written prayer, 
Those children are still subjected to it at a very impressionable age. And this needs to be something um, that at least there's got to be some middle ground. This is, this is ridiculous Uh, that this is coming back to the forefront of, of politics today. You know, right. in 1962, I mean, uh, here we are in 2017, and they still, still can't be well it. enough alone. <clears throat> they can't yeah, keep we're it. giving you a moment of silence. You can <clears throat> pray to whatever God, but that's not good enough for you. Your religion is being persecuted because we're not praying to Jesus and, and calling the Christian God the one true God Almighty. And that's what you exactly. want to hear at the beginning of every school day for every student. And it's like that article earlier said, you're you know that you're biting off more than you can chew with this because what you mean is Christianity, but what you're going to get is you have to allow for this. And not everybody, as we just found out, prays the same way. So it's going to take how much time out of their education. The idea of separating church and state, the idea of separating religion from from the public school system so that we can focus on educating the children uh, with the basics. And like you said, if we want to include a moment of silence for your God, that's fine. But we, we can't afford to go through all of the different prayers we need to go through. Sure, the majority is Christianity, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, and uh, we have this, if they want to study religions as mythology and study them all equally as just part of history, that's fine, but to, that's that's okay. To put one, yeah, to put one over the other mm. is uh, ridiculous. Um, Here's what you do: you leave it out up until the point where you know what, high school, college, that's great. You want to study religions. You want to study all religions. You want to study a class on the Bible, a literature class or mythology, but that shouldn't be something integrated into our schools. Um, to be, you know what, give them all the evidence, give them, you know, a basic knowledge of the Abrahamic religions and maybe some polytheism Do a do a class on religion. Just don't stand in front of my child and tell him that this is the right religion. Right. Because I'll tell you what, as an atheist, it's not something that I'm going to bring up and challenge with my son until he's at an age where he has questions. Well, it shouldn't be something that you have to, and he shouldn't be asking about that. And and the only way he's going to hear about it is if it's being presented to him from somewhere. Uh, Mm -hmm. When we were talking about um, different religions and the way they pray and the importance of prayer to them, we were talking about, in Hinduism, it, it's one of the, the central things, prayer and mantras um, in their religion. Uh, and then I was, I was talking about prayer in Islam. We read that one prayer, and we, we saw that the, the very first chapter in the Quran is a prayer and an instruction on how to pray. And as a matter of fact, every prayer that you do after that has to start with that prayer. But, um, yeah. There was this article, uh, this uh, phenomenon that I told you about, and we found an article on it um, uh, from the this New York Times. This is funny and, and, and fairly interesting. Yeah. Um, where um, the, the most pious, I guess, the most religious of um, Islam pray to an extent, you know how we said that they have to touch their head to the uh, ground 34 times a day. 
at least. They, yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, I bet these guys are going above and beyond that. Uh, but when they do touch their head to the ground, they're they're doing it either on a rough mat or on just the straight ground, or they're doing it extra forceful in which to cause a uh, what's known as a prayer bump uh, in <clears throat> Islam. And it's essentially a, a callus from, you know, rubbing this uh, area of the skin just raw repeatedly day after day. It's yeah, it's it's kind of funny, but not when you think about it. Um, I mean, it's, it's a wound. You're you're hurting yourself. Yeah, it's you're hurting yourself. Yeah, self and it's seen as. It's seen as, um, you know, that that can be uh, something that you can be pious about, and and you're you're more um, firm in your beliefs and, and religion than like people who guy don't that have I said that. Earlier, who believed himself to be doing his religion better, this is a way to physically walk around day in and day out and just kind of put it out there for everybody. Look at how hard I pray. Look at exactly. look at how well I'm doing it. My, my prayer bump is bigger than yours. Um, uh, sort of a, a star belly speeches way to separate the, uh, you know, the haves from the have nots or, or whatever they want to call themselves. Yeah. And so this apparently, you know, I never, I'd never really heard about this until recently. Apparently this has been a thing for quite a while. However, with the, um, with religion gaining followers in the Middle East, um, this is becoming a very, very popular thing in Egypt among the younger generations that are adopting uh, and becoming devout Muslims. Um, and so now you're seeing this far more than we than we have in the past. And so it's actually oh, wow um, to see something um, old recycled into the to the new crop is kind of interesting. Yeah, it makes me a little bit sad to see a trend that that religion's picking up when right. we're you know we're starting to see, you know, um, more and more people every year in America either saying no religion or atheist. Uh, the the numbers of, of of people of faith are slowly slowly decreasing, but that's not the case here in the Middle East. More people are turning to Islam than ever before. Yeah, what is uh, Islam is the fastest growing religion uh, on the planet. Yep. And, and with that resurgence of that kind of devout prayer to it growing rapidly as well. Um, yeah. Is just not a, a trend that I enjoy looking at. Um, so earlier when I defined prayer, um, we talked about a few studies have been done over the years, over the past few decades about prayer and it's uh, whether it works or not. Um, one of the studies um, published in the uh, New York times in 2006, um, which was done through a few people. Uh, one of the authors was a, uh, um, Merrick, a chaplain at uh, the Mayo clinic in Rochester, Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, where my dad is currently going undergoing treatment for heart complications. And another one of them is, um, I find this guy's name. I don't see it right now. Um, 
But this uh, study monitored 1,800 patients at six hospitals who uh, had received a coronary bypass surgery. It monitored them for complications um, after the surgery for 30 days, and it split the group into half, half of them um, being prayed for from a local church and half of them not being prayed for. And then of the half that were being prayed for, half of them were told they were being prayed for and the other half was not. Um, What the... uh, studies showed was that for those who were being prayed for and those who weren't being prayed for, there was no real difference no change. in complications after the thir- in, inside the 30 days after surgery, except for the group that knew they were being prayed for. The group that knew they were being prayed for, this is a placebo effect. <laughs> Had a significantly higher number. Until a knowledge of the prayer happens, and then... They had a significantly higher number of complications, 59% of them, as opposed to the 51% of the people who didn't know they were being prayed for, um, suffered complications. And the authors of the test can only think this is some sort of a a performance anxiety, like not wanting to let their religion down. They they knew they were being prayed for. They didn't want to let God down, so they got nervous, and they, 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 they worried themselves into... Uh, worse condition than they were in, than they would have been had they not known they were being prayed for. So not only did prayer not work, uh, did the people who weren't being prayed for fare just as well as the people who were. As a matter of fact, it was slightly more detrimental to the people who knew they were being prayed for. Um, so with that study in mind, that prayer isn't helping to heal our sick comes to a story that just kind of bothers me uh, to my core and is the kind of thing that ultimately um, was a reason I, I thought about talking about prayer for this, this episode. This is an article from the guardian um, from 2016, about a sect of Mormons in Idaho uh, called the Followers of Christ. And this sect. Not to be confused with the Church of Christ. Right. (laughs) Continue, sorry. No no problem. Important distinction. Uh, And I'm just going to read this article. It's kind of long. I think it's important. So I'll just read the article and then we can discuss it after that. Maria Walton's voice is quiet. Her lungs have been wrecked by her illness and her respirator doesn't help, but her tone is resolute. Yes, I would like to see my parents prosecuted. Why? They deserve it. And it might stop others. Maria is 20, but she's frail and permanently disabled. She has pulmonary hypertension, and when she's not bedridden, she has to carry an oxygen that allows her to breathe. At times, she has screws in her bones to anchor her breathing device. She may soon have to have no option for a cure except a heart and lung transplantation. All this could have been prevented in her infancy by closing a small congenital hole in her heart. It could have been successfully treated in her later years before irreversible damage was done. But Maria's parents were fundamentalist Mormons who went off the grid in northern Idaho in the 1990s 
and refused to take their children to doctors, believing the illnesses could be healed through faith and the power of prayer. As she grew sicker and sicker, Maria's parents would pray over her and use alternative medicine until she finally left home two years ago. She did not have a social security number or a birth certificate. Had they been in neighboring Oregon, her parents could have been booked for medical neglect. In Maria's case, as in scores of others of instances of preventable death among children in Idaho since the 1970s, the laws exempt dogmatic faith healers from prosecution. And she and her sister recently took part in a panel discussion with lawmakers at the state capitol about the issue. Idaho is one of only six states that offer a faith-based shield for felony crimes such as manslaughter. Some of those enjoying legal protection are fringe Mormon families like Maria's, uh, Mariah's, many of whom who live in the state's north. But a large number of children have died in southern Idaho near Boise in families belonging to a reclusive Pentecostal faith-healing sect called the Followers of Christ. In Canyon County, just west of the capital, the sex Peaceful Valley Cemetery is full of graves marking the death of children who lived a day, a week, a month. Last year, a task force set up by Idaho Governor Butch Otter estimated that the child mortality rate for the followers of Christ between 2002 and 2011, 10 times that of Idaho as a whole. 10 times. 10 times. 10 times infant mortality rate. The shield laws that prevent prosecutions in Idaho are an artifact of the Nixon administration. High-profile child abuse cases in the 1960s led pediatricians and activists to push for laws that combated it. In order to help states fund such programs, Congress passed the Child Abuse Prevention and Treatment Act, CAPTA, which Richard Nixon signed in 1974. But there was a fateful catch due to the influence of Nixon's advisors John Erkman Jr. and J.R. Haddleman, both lifelong Christian scientists. Boston College history professor Alan Rogers explains how the men, later jailed for their role in the Watergate scandal, were themselves members of a faith-healing sect and acted to prevent their co-religiousness being charged with crimes of neglect. Because Erkman and Haddleman were Christian scientists, they had inserted into the law a provision that said those who believed that prayer was the only way to cure illnesses are exempt from this law. They also ensure that the states had to pass similar exemptions in order to access CAPTA funds. The federal requirement was later relaxed, but the resulting state laws have had to painstakingly be repealed one by one. Some states, such as Oregon, held on longer until high-profile death in the followers of Christ Church in Oregon City attracted the attention of local media. Over time, the state reversed course. As a result, several followers of Christ members in Oregon have been successfully prosecuted. In 2010, Jeffrey and Marcy Beagley were convicted of criminally negligent homicide after the death of their toddler, Neil, who died from a congenital bladder blockage. In 2011, Timothy and Rebecca Wyland were convicted of criminal mistreatment, and the court ordered their daughter, Alina, be medically treated for the growth that had been threatening to blind her. Later that year, Dale and Shannon Hickman were convicted of second-degree manslaughter two years after their newborn son died of a simple infection. Next door, Idaho presents a polar opposition to Oregon. Republicans who enjoy an effective permanent majority in the state house 
are surprisingly reluctant to ever consider reform. Last year, the governor's task force on children at risk recommended change. Religious freedoms must be protected, but vulnerable children must also be appropriately protected from unnecessary harm and death. Democratic legislator John Gannon proposed a repeal of the bill, which he never thought would really be that controversial. The chairman of the State Health and Welfare Committee, Lee Hyder, refused to even grant it a hearing, effectively killing it. Um, Brian Hoyt, who lives in Boise, Idaho, grew up in the followers of the church, followers of Christ Church. He's 43 and lives in a well-scrubbed suburban neighborhood. He runs a successful window cleaning business that started with a squeegee mop and a bucket after his teenage escape from home left him with no cash and few educational opportunities. Um, Hoyt has developed a capacity for family life after a life in the sect left him unable to relate to families for a long time. I didn't understand the concept, he said. He lost his faith around the age of five when a baby died in his arms in the course of a failed healing. While elders prayed, Hoyt was in charge of removing mucus from the baby's nose with a suction device. He was told that the child died because of his own lack of faith. Something snapped, and he remembers thinking, how can this possibly be God's work? His apostasy set up lifelong conflict with his parents and the church of elders. In just one incident, when he was 12, Hoyt broke his ankle during a wrestling tryout. I ended up shattering two bones in my foot, he said. His parents approached the situation with the usual followers' remedies, rubbing the injury with rancid, rancid olive oil and having him swig on kosher wine. Intermittently, they would have him attempt to walk. Each time, he said, my body would go into shock and I would just pass out. I would wake up to my stepdad, my uncles, and other elders of the church kicking me and beating me, calling me a fag because I didn't have enough faith to let God come in and heal me, while my mom and my aunts were sitting there watching, and that's called faith healing. He had so much time off with the untreated fracture that his school demanded a medical certificate to cover the absence. Forced to take him to a doctor, his mother spent most of the consultation accusing the doctor of being a pedophile. He was given a cast and medication, but immediately upon returning home, the medication was flushed down the toilet, leaving him with no pain relief. His second walking cast was cut off by male relatives at home with a circular saw, which uh, I'm sure was done oh very safely. Oh, my God. Other people who left the group, such as Linda Martin, told similar tales of coercion, failed healing using only rancid olive oil, and high level of infant mortality, isolation, and secrecy. Violence, she said, was the reason I left home. My childhood and Brian's were very similar. Deaths from untreated illnesses are attributed to God's will. Their lives are dominated by God's will. Martin and Hoyt have both uh, lobbied to change the laws, with Martin in particular devoting years of patient research to documenting deaths and other church activities. Hoyt has faced harassment online and at his home, and church members have tried to undermine his business. So far, the testimonies of abuse have not convinced, uh, convinced Idaho's Republican legislators. Senator Hyder, for one, described the followers of Christ as very nice people. Child advocate and author Janet Heimlich, who has campaigned against exemptions around the country, says that Hyder told her before the legislative session began that he would carry the bill 
and helped with the production of a draft. But by the time the session began in October, he indicated that no bill would be passed or even heard. Heidler's repeated response to these claims was a welter of contradictions and bluster. After telling the Guardian that no bill was lodged and that he had been told by Attorney General that the Canyon County prosecuting attorney that the laws did not need to change, um, Heider took refuge in the U.S. Constitution. Republicans didn't feel the need to change the laws. We believe in the First Amendment to the Constitution. I don't think that states have a right to interfere in religions. When pressed on the fact that children are dying unnecessarily as a result of exemptions, Heider makes an odd comparison. Are we going to stop Methodists from reading the New Testament? Are we going to stop Catholics receiving the sacraments? That's what these people believe in. They spoke to me and pointed to a tremendous number of examples where Christ healed people in the New Testament. Look at this 2,000-year-old book. This guy in here, it says he healed people, so I'm not going to give my kid any medicine for an infection. They don't point to any recent healings from God. They point to the New Testament. Yeah. Peter you know, it makes me... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. It, it, it makes me shudder a little bit to think about, like... Um, with this crazy infer- with this crazy infant mortality rate that they have the crazy thing is almost all of these cases these kids would have lived right simple almost infections every single or, or one this, is this girl exactly infection at the beginning or, you know what you know I, she's on I, this respirator and all this it could have been uh, treated Easily when she was an infant, or even could have been treated easily later on when she was an adolescent, but now it's too late. Now and and with that case, it's like okay, so you uh, a simple surgery isn't okay, but wouldn't they then just let her die if she couldn't live without an oxygen tank? Because that's still a treatment. It, it what it makes me <clears throat> what makes me sick about it is these simple things that you know, like infections. Um, my son. Uh, he is five. He uh, had to have a surgery for an inguinal hernia as a newborn. That was terrifying for me, but um, that's a common procedure. These are things that have been handled so many times, and these kids can go on and live normal lives. Something like that untreated is terrible. Um, and, and all of these, I say all, most of these children would have had a completely normal, functional life if it weren't for their parents making this decision for them. And I will firmly stand up for your right as an adult of sound mind to take your own life. But right. you don't get to do that to your children. For yes, they're your children, but they're sentient humans who should have the chance to fucking live long enough to make the decisions for themselves. And, and that's really, suffering. really fucking sad. Uh, just a uh, just couple more quick things in here. While uh, Idaho legislature Stonewall, children in faith healing communities continue to suffer. According to coroner's reports, in Canyon County alone in the past decade, at least 10 children in the followers of Christ Church have died. These include 15-year-old Arian Grandin, who died in 2012 after contracting food poisoning. She vomited so much that her esophagus ruptured and yeah. untreated she bled to death. The other deaths are mostly infants, 
who died during at-home births or soon after from treatable complications, simple infections, or pneumonia. In one Canyon County report on the death of an infant called Astroseve, we see the difficulty that the shield law creates for local authorities. When Seve died in 2006, a Canyon County coroner's deputy, uh, accompanied by two sheriff's deputies, asked to take the body away for an autopsy. According to the coroner's account, the family were very much against this for any reason and informed the deputy that she was not going with me or anyone else and removal would have to be done forcefully. After a liaison with the county's chief uh, deputy and prosecutor's office, the assembly county official decided to leave rather than escalate a problem that could be worse than it is now. The conclusion, the cause of death will go down as undetermined. Undetermined. Uh, undetermined. Uh, since then, there's been a better working relationship with the followers of Christ, and there uh, have allowed um, autopsies ever since. But they're they're still not allowing their children to get health care. There are a million things that can go wrong during childbirth that could easily. Uh, Easily uh, be fixed in a hospital. Especially when, you, yeah, when you're in a hospital with trained professionals. Exactly. Uh, a friend of mine I was telling you about the other day, uh, daughter born with spina bifida. They didn't catch it until the little girl was born. But they're in a hospital. If, they, if that girl would have been born at home and without any medical professionals there, she'd be dead. <clears throat> No, without a doubt. Right. Okay. So that's sort of where we are. Maris, do you have any uh, final thoughts on prayer? Um, I think <clears throat> I think basically the conclusion would be, is it always necessarily detrimental to the individual? No, we can't say that it is. But um, to impose it on others who don't want it um, is obviously a terrible idea. And also, um, you know, when you, when you have this idea that you have a personal relationship with God and God tells you things, um, we've seen in many cases of that being very detrimental to society. And so I think the bad... Uh, I, I, I don't think I don't think uh that evens the scales, you know, the the positive yeah. the positive aspect of it does does not um outweigh uh the negative the detrimental things that it causes um in churches, schools, countries, everywhere. Agreed. And I think uh as far as the, the stuff that's going on today that's you know um going through the Senate and the House. Um, this stuff is being, it, it is still happening, you guys. This is... It's like you said, you know, yeah, 1962. We, we, and we won we a battle. Exactly. We won a battle still in 62. But they're not going to give up. And so, um, I think we need to be active. And I know that this always kind of sounds corny, but call your local representatives, you guys. Right. I'm right here below Montana where this stuff's still um, 
I'm kind of surprised that it doesn't uh, exist in, in Wyoming state law. Um, Wyoming this uh, is still has, happening has around our country. They do. They do. Uh, but this is still happening in, in North Dakota, in, in Montana, in uh, was it Alabama? <clears throat> um, exactly. And and we can't we can't just sit back and 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 let it go. Um, you know me. Uh, you've got kids that that are older who've, who've been through school. Um, my son's just starting school, and I I I don't want this. I don't want this anywhere around him. At an age where he's not competent or capable of of processing that information and and making a conclusion. To have that kind of stuff shoved down his throat, I I, I won't stand for it. Absolutely. Um, I've got a guest caller here. Oh. If we've got a minute. Well, yeah, we absolutely put him through. How's it going, guys? Oh, who is this? <laughs> <laughs> How did you get this number? Sounds like a, a hippie liberal. <laughs> You guys are, are super famous out here by uh, by Birmingham, Alabama. Everybody's talking about the Informed Secular Minds podcast. So well, that is awesome. Call and see what all the commotion is about. <laughs> yeah, I figure we're real big in Alabama. Oh yeah, they 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 love the atheists down here. Um, you know, I was listening. I know you guys are short on time. I was listening to uh, the story that uh, that Scott was just telling um, about uh, about how you know they, they were using they were using uh, faith healing techniques. They were praying for someone to get better rather than get them uh, medical care. And then when they actually were forced to get medical care, they ignored what the doctor had to say, didn't listen to what he, what he told them and disposed of the medicine. And this was all protected by a constitutional interpretation where they were saying, based on the first amendment, um, you know, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to infringe on this person's religious freedom and somehow requiring the child to get actual medical assistance would be infringing upon their religious liberties. Um, it seems to me that it's not a question of whether or not it's a religious freedom. It's a question of whether or not it is neglect. Um, if 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 the if the if the child was was dying of of you know pneumonia, and the parents went out shooting instead of taking the child to get care, or uh, sat around having a three day conversation, you know, free speech, while the child laid there suffering and dying, that person would still get in trouble for gross neglect. It has nothing to do with the fact that they're saying, well, we're not going to infringe upon their freedom of speech. You're allowed to still have your religious freedom. You're allowed to still have your faith. You're allowed to still have your religious practices. The point is not that it's supposed to supersede everything else, or at least it shouldn't be. We shouldn't be so respectful of religious freedom that it means that if your priority is to sit around praying rather than actually doing what can demonstrably improve the health of someone in your care – that that is an okay decision for you to make. That is still neglect. That is still, still something that is disgusting. That is still something that can lead to the death of a child or that child suffering unnecessarily. Uh, to me, that the is. entire argument that it's a religious freedom thing goes right out the window. It seems to me that you're allowed to get away with murder in this country as long as you can affix some kind of uh, religious tolerance bullshit to it. If you can get the word reverend in front of your name or if you can claim that some secular idea or some scientific idea uh, goes against your faith, you're allowed to get away with anything. Absolutely. Excellent point. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I like that a lot. That's a great point. Corey, 
Corey was, was not even here bringing it home. Right. <laughs> it reminded me of that meme I think I did share with Corey um, that said, prayer is an excellent way to think that you're helping without actually doing anything. <laughs> right. Yeah, in in, uh, in lieu of actual assistance, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. talk to uh, talk to the magical person, this guy that you believe in. I'm um, homeless, man. Said, well, I can't give you five bucks, but I'll pray for you. Right. It, it's <laughs> been said several different ways, and one of my favorites is is in uh, Boondock Saints at the beginning. The, uh, the Monsignor, the priest, says that um, all that evil needs to flourish is the inaction of good men. And prayer is a great way to get good men to do nothing. Ooh. Wow. Indeed. All right. Well, th- thanks for that, Corey. That was awesome. I really like hey, that. my pleasure. My pleasure. Nice to, nice to be a caller. It's kind of fun. You guys are rocking it. I appreciate <laughs> it. Can't, can't wait till you're back next week. You can handle all the uh, technical side of it where we uh, failed at miserably. Yeah, the oh, chat's up yeah, now, the, but it, it wasn't for a little bit. But the first few, the first few that, that that I did last year, same thing. Yeah, it's it's. There's so many things to to. Once you're doing the show, it's gonna happen. Don't feel bad about that at all. Right. The audience is cool with it too. They're they're with us. They're good people. All right. right. Yeah, we've we've got our we've got uh, usual about 15 people on Periscope following as well. I've been kind of checking in on that when I can. Uh, how are you doing, Corey? How's how's things going? Oh, pretty good. Hectic as usual, passing a lot of crazy crosses along the, the, the... – oh, I got approached at a gas station uh, by a guy who really, really, really wanted to know if I was a Pentecostal, but I don't know how much time you guys have left in the show, so that story can definitely wane. Well, we got we got 10 minutes if you want to pass the 12. story on. Be great. Okay, so I, I, we, we, go into this, uh, we go into this gas station. It's like 1 in the morning. And uh, I think we're I think we're inside Louisiana. Maybe we've just dipped into to Mississippi. And this guy comes over, and he just he's like he he's 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 got this kind of crazed look about him. I can't quite figure out what's going on, but he's friendly. You know, he comes over. I assume he's just you know on drugs or something. And he comes over, and he's real excitable, and he's talking about all kinds of stuff, and he's commenting on the on the trailer and all of this. And he keeps talking about like every every sentence. He just kind of adds, "Praise the Lord." At the end of the sentence, like he'll just say something completely arbitrary and then just go praise Jesus. Like he didn't even have a pause. I was just like, whoa, this guy is amazing. (laughs) And finally he gets around. Like he keeps like checking me too. Like he'll say this and then he keeps like looking at me and like letting letting it linger. Like like I'm going to say it back to him. And I'm just like, what? And I said – he said, where are you guys from? I said, I'm from northern Wyoming. He said, oh, that's cool. I'm a a truck driver and, uh, and I'm supposed to go up in that area in a couple of days. And I need you to pray for me now. I really need you to pray for me because I've been driving truck for over 10 years, and I haven't had any wrecks yet, but I'm going to be driving up there, and I know that things can get crazy, and I really need you to pray for me. And I said, well, why do you need people to pray for you? You just said you've been driving for 10 years, and you've never been in an accident. Clearly, you're good at it. <laughs> what, what prayer are you looking for? What more help do you need? You're clearly an experienced professional who knows exactly what they're doing. Rely on your skill as an individual, not on prayer. <laughs> and he kind of gave me a look, and he, and he like, and he hit me in the chest, like, like real, like, like, like friendly, and I like tagged me, and he was like, "What are you, a Pentecostal?" <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I have no idea what the context is. Yeah, I'm not but sure either what that means exactly. Pentecostal. 
It was fantastic. Oh, it was a really good time. Yeah. That yeah. Great. It, it had me thinking like, about prayer. I knew that you guys were going to do the episode, and I had a lot of fun <laughs> just getting back in the car and cracking up about that for the next 15 miles. <laughs> that is excellent. You know, if I that guy breaks down on the side of the, the road. Pentecost, I wish I'd have looked up Pentecostal um, beliefs on prayer. Well, I wouldn't have got the joke. <laughs> It maybe, well, yeah, I, I wonder if there's something in there that would make me get it or if it's just his perception of Pentecost. I have no idea. Yeah. I just thought that was magic. That His instinct in me not believing in prayer was to assume I was a Pentecostal of all things. That, that had me cracking up. The, 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 entire, the entire narrative for me breaks apart rather quickly. You guys may have talked about this earlier in the show, but very, very briefly, when you're praying, you're supposed to be talking to a God. Most of the time, the God that you believe in that you believe you're praying to is supposed to be all powerful. How often have we been told that this being, this prime mover of the universe has a perfect plan that all things go according to his plan. So when you pray, are you informing him of something that he didn't know about? In which case is he not all knowing? And if it is a perfect plan, what makes you think that as some low, lowly follower, as some mere mortal, as some, Filth made out of dust at the beginning of time that is worthy of nothing more than hell without the Savior uh, coming down and, and, and relieving you of your sin. What makes you think that you should be telling God what his plan should be? Why would he make an exception for you and your lost keys or the football team that you want to win? Why do you think that, you, that God owes you something that you should be asking the guy who invented the perfect plan for everything from day one to alter it in your favor. That's yeah. um, pretty easy. Uh, Corey, what you're, what you're driving at there is uh, brilliantly and simply put by Christopher Hitchens, who I know you're a big fan of as well. Uh, and he said, the man who prays is the one who thinks that God has arranged matters all wrong, but who also thinks that he can instruct God how to put them right. <laughs> it falls no, apart it so better. quickly, and we wanted to cover you know, the basics of how prayer works and what people use it for across different religions. Uh, to put it simply, it's just something that logically makes absolutely no sense to me. The entire concept of when it. We, when we pray for some injustice to be put right, when we pray for some suffering to be ended, you must presuppose that either God is unaware that it's occurring or God is aware that it's occurring and doesn't care to do anything about it. Or is waiting either for scenario you to makes... mention it. <laughs> or perhaps that's it. Perhaps he's just going to allow that suffering to continue on until one of the faithful brings it to his attention. It doesn't make much sense. The entire thing seems to fall apart rather quickly. Yeah, it does. And that seems to be, uh, something we find again and again in all the concepts that we come up against in the religions. They fall apart rather quickly once they once they're put to the test. Sure. All right, man. I'm, I really appreciate the call and I can't wait to have you back next week. Sure thing, guys. Thanks so very much. I will uh, be in touch with you guys shortly. All right. See ya. See you later. Okay. That was nice. We'll I wasn't ahead. expecting that. that. That was cool cool that he got a chance to call in okay so i'm just going to go ahead and close this up here um cory and i talked at length when i came on as um 
the, the permanent co-host about what we're doing here at ISN Podcast. Sort of a, a mission statement, uh, if you will. We kind of went over like just what's what's our main goal, and it's it's defending secular values. That's the thing that we came up with. So, with the goal here at ISN to defend when we can the idea of secular values, to ensure that the future of this and hopefully other societies is one of religious freedom, true religious freedom, and that those who want to take part in any religion that they want to are free to do so. But that also, and I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I feel more importantly that those who do not want to take part in any religion are free to abstain. When this country was founded, what made it great was its freedoms. Those freedoms are not at risk because you perceive that your child isn't allowed to pray at school. Those freedoms aren't at risk because the government wants to keep children alive. Those freedoms become threatened when we start saying that one particular group's right to something outweighs or in some manner comes before everyone else's right to that same thing. Our freedoms become endangered when we decide as a whole that we are too afraid of the majority to challenge their entitled way of thinking. We as a secular society, indeed, as one of the greatest countries ever, must lead by example and say to the religious right of this country, that what they are asking for is not rights, but instead special privilege. And in a free society, in America, we don't do special privilege. Good night, everyone. Please never stop thinking. Uh, once again, I want to thank Maris for being here. Thank you. It was awesome. Glad you could show up. Please be sure to follow him at YoungAthlon399 on Twitter and Periscope. Also follow me on both of those platforms at El Dutorino. And you can find Corey on those platforms at Dopinephrine, along with Informed Secular Minds at ISMPodcast underscore. Please consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com backslash informedpodcast. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you all next week. Thanks, you guys. Have a good night.